Hey, Becoming Iconic community. I'm your host, Jen Spiegel, serial entrepreneur, mom of four, and someone who is excited to bring you tangible and tactical business and life advice. You can find beautiful comeback stories, great tips to put into your business, and to create that lifestyle you desire. Right now, I have a few opportunities open to work with me. I'm excited to share those with you. You can shoot over to jenspiegel.com or find me on Instagram at jenspiegel, but I do want to point out two really amazing opportunities. Number one is my VIP icons program. That program has been designed to be a very high touch, high level mentorship program. But the beautiful thing about this is I have wrapped every single opportunity up in a beautiful gift box with a bow. It is a retreat. It is one-on-one mentorship. It's masterminds, time with experts. I've given it all to you in a one-stop program. I'm so excited and thrilled, so please do apply. Then I also have recently launched a program that's really about moving you to the next level for those people who are working diligently at their online business, but feel like they have these hurdles or struggles to really up level and reach that next opportunity or level of success. That is called work from Wi-Fi. You can go onto the Jen Spiegel website and check that out as well. That is a very, very exciting, exclusive opportunity. So today on today's podcast, I have to give you a background. Today, I had the distinct pleasure of being with one person who I feel I manifested in my life. I was looking for a mentor who could really help me with money mindset and abundant thinking. And Allison was laid in my path in January of 2020. I immediately connected with her and I cannot wait to share her with you today. Alison Bird is known as the Profit Accelerator, and she is celebrated as one of the world's most trusted leadership advisors and sale experts for entrepreneurs and small business owners. Today, her and her team produce exclusive virtual membership communities for influencers with online audiences over 1 million in reach. Allison's clients generate a collective 33 million plus in sales annually. She and her team have coached 7,500 entrepreneurial leaders to create 260 million, let's say that again, 260 million in new revenue over the past nine years. You'll be able to hear more about Allison throughout this podcast and her journey to success from an underprivileged life on food stamps, a dad in prison, and a single mom raising two kids to the ultra passionate successful leader she is today, and the undeniable stand she has for women rising into their greatness in her latest collaboration with Amazon Prime. Please sit down in your comfy chair or couch, pour yourself your favorite cuppa, get comfortable, get your journal out and be prepared. Prepare your hearts, prepare your mind, prepare your soul for what this woman will bring you today. Thanks for being here. Becoming Iconic Community, this is a pleasure to bring Allison Bird to you today, someone who I have been craving more time with since I met her in January. She pierced me. I don't know how else to say it with her words, with her presence. The whole package of Allison Bird is something that you all need to witness, to follow, to learn from. And Allison, I am so eternally grateful that you took the time when you are a very demanded presence right now, that you would take the time to be with us. It means the world to me. Thank you so much. 
I'm really excited to be with you, Jen. And I didn't take the time. I created the time. And that's something that I want to introduce right away is that when things are important to you, you start understanding that you are a creator of all things that you desire. So if you want more time, you create that time. If you want more money, you create that money. If you want more powerful relationships, you create the power within the relationship. Everything that you desire is at your fingertips, regardless of your race, your socioeconomic status, uh, regardless of your background, your gender. And so there may be a lot to navigate in your pathway, but it doesn't, there's no path that any of us as humans are on where our ability to create is stripped from us. Again, I'm going to say it one more time. There may be more in your path, more hurdles that you have to jump, more obstacles that you have to get out of the way. And they may be because of your race, because of your geography, because of your gender, but nothing strips us from the ability to be a creator. Mm, Beautiful. And you just start with the power. I love it. And you're right. We do. We create that space. And I want to honor you and your time here. And I want to grab as much as we can and I don't want to assume the audience knows all about you, although I'm sure they do, but let's go back. Can we just start with your story and let people know who Allison Bird is, where you came from and how you got to where you are today? Sure. You know, in personal development and transformative workshops, there's a wonderful exercise that some of your listeners, some of you may have done it before, but the exercise is a sentence stem. So the way a sentence stem works is you start with the same statement and you end with something new each time. So the sentence stem that I'm going to use is, if you really knew me, you would know, right? And I'm going to take you through my life journey that way. If you really knew me, you would know that I co-founded a tech company that I run today. If you really knew me, you would know that my partner in that tech company is a white Jewish male. And if you really knew me, you would know that I am a black female from the South. And so if you really knew me, you would know we are at odds a lot. Um, If you really knew me, you would know that I started this tech company specifically because I saw a gap in personal development, thought leadership, business development leaders, online coaches, network marketing leaders, where I saw that they were using social media as their primary platform. And what was happening is they could not control the narrative of their story because they were subject to ads, algorithm, engagement, etc. So if you really knew me, you'd know that I looked at my life as a consultant, a strategist, a coach. And I said, if I wanted something that would outlive me, if I wanted to build something that would propel good, that would propel lives, that would make a mark in the world, what would I do? So if you really knew me, you'd know that's how I stepped out of coaching and decided to co-found this tech company. And now I spend 85% of my time there. If you really knew me, you know that I never in a million years would have thought that that would be my reality. Because if you really knew me, you'd know that I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. 
I was moved by my family when I was six weeks old. If you really knew me, you'd know that in my third book was the first time I ever had the courage to tell the story that my father was beating my mother and my mother wanted to protect my father because she loved him so much and she wanted a family so badly and she was so afraid to be a failure in front of her own family that she took the beating, she took the broken nose, she took the bruised ribs, she took that because she was just hoping that my dad would change. If you really knew me, you would know that in my third book is the first time I tell the story that my uncle called my mother and said, the FBI is about to be at your door. That is when my mother found out that my father had murdered someone, fled another state, married my mother under an alias, and that she was married to a complete stranger. Wow. And it devastated her at her core level. If you really knew me, you would know that being raised by a mother who is devastated and brokenhearted, always looking for a sense of certainty. And I'm saying this because if you're a mama, you better listen to this. You better hear how we need you to be your best self. We do not need you to suffer in who you think we want you to be, the performative mother. We need you to be your whole woman self so that we can be our whole selves as a reflection of what you teach us. And so if you really knew me, you'd know that the last time I saw my father was in a jail cell. And my father told me when I was 12 years old, Allison, I'll call you back. If you really knew me, you'd know I believed him. And at the time that we record this podcast, I'm 43 years old. That call has never happened. So if you really knew me, you would know that it's only been 21 days since I watched a documentary and that documentary was on the prison system for black men and how prevalent, like how the swelling of the prison system happened in the 60s and 70s and 80s. It was so common for black men to be in prison that black men began telling their families, I will not be around. Don't even expect me to be around. Black men negotiated their necessity. So it's only been 21 days that I've been reconciled to the truth that my father did not abandoned me, my father was a part of the culture. And that I grew up thinking I was unlovable. I was unnecessary. I was negotiable as a person. I put myself on discount racks as a woman. I dated the wrong men. I had a whole lot of sex looking for just a little bit of love, trying to fill the gap of my father's absence. If you really knew me, you would know that it's only been 21 days that I've become reconciled to a part of my wholeness that I didn't even know was missing. I didn't even know, Jen, that it was fragmented off of my soul until I watched that documentary and I paused it and I got on my knees mm -hmm. and I wept and I repented to God for my hatred to God for creating me and creating me with a father that would abandon me and leave me and a belief that I held for over 30 years that I didn't even know was locked inside of my body. I'm sure it's why my hips have hurt. I'm sure it's why my shoulders have ached. I'm sure it's why my grip at times has been lost. I'm sure it's what would have produced cancer or fibromyalgia or arthritis or hypertension if I would not have addressed it. So if you really knew me, you would know 
that my bio says I'm in USA Today and I'm on Amazon Prime and I've been featured with NPR. And my bio says that I work with seven figure and eight figure leaders and all the things that people want to read of an acclaimed achieved leader. And the truth, the core that a bio never says is that I'm a woman deep in the work. I'm a woman that lives on my knees in prayer. I sit on my butt in meditation, in quiet, in silence. I do the work to be the most extraordinary person I can be so that when I do give, I give out of the purity of who I am and not out of the toxic background that I have come from. So that is who I am today. That is the story that I stand on, that I no longer live in. And I say that because every woman that is listening to me, you must have the courage to continue to climb out of your story, pick up the pen and write new chapters that bring you ultimate bliss, joy, delight, divine favor, greatness, achievement, acclaim, whatever it is that you desire for yourself, know that you deserve it, know that you are worthy and be committed to manifesting it with all that you have. That is the tip of the iceberg, Allison. You know, first of all, I want to hold space for the fact that you have had your journey in this and I am grateful you've had this revelation about your father at the same time. I feel sad that that was your reality. I heard you recently say we are a pandemic within a pandemic. And I think those words are absolutely perfect for where we sit right now. And I would love to hear from you how we can be better. How can the world be better to show up and raise those voices that you are declaring we should do in a confident way. What can we do? Yeah, so at the time that we are recording this, we are only um, a few weeks out from the murder of George Floyd, which happened on film, was recorded by a 17-year-old young Black girl. And she was walking by and she saw this happen. She did what she knew to do in her age demographic and she recorded it. She begged the officers, please stop. He cannot breathe. Please. A 17-year-old girl watching three officers hold their bodies on a man that was not fighting back that was handcuffed, had no way of resisting, and another cop holding people off from helping him, she watched that man be murdered. That man, African-American, and a reflection, unfortunately, of what we see as systemic racism in our society, what we see happening with police brutality. And I wish we could say that was the only area that we need to address as far as Black lives in America. But the disparities that extend, Jen, into education and housing, health, employment, fresh food, mental health, um, finances, economy, the list of disparities have been debated for decades, decades. And the challenge that we have of segregation and discrimination in America, it is amazing to so many white people that this is still happening in 2020. Yes, because 
you watched a murder like it was a blockbuster film being released in summertime. And that's tragic. So I would say I know that white leaders are seeing do better. I know they're seeing use your voice. I know they're seeing protest with us, but you don't know where to begin. And what I would say is number one, begin with educating yourself. Watch films. Amazon Prime is focusing and featuring films right now that tell the story of brutal treatment, whether it was Medgar Evers, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Rodney King, Ahmaud Arbery to today, George Floyd. Watch. Watch the film 13. Like, watch that. And give yourself permission to understand systemic white supremacy, classism, settler colonism. Like, I know those things are so uncomfortable for people, but Black, Indigenous, people of color, these are the dialogues that we have because we still face them when we go into corporations. We face them when we're building businesses and needing loans. We face them when we are trying to buy homes. We face them when we are doing civilized, normalized activities activities that white privilege never gets stopped doing. So I would say watch films, read books. If you go on Amazon again right now, films, books are being featured. Give yourself permission to look at the hashtag Black Lives Matter and scroll through and look at the resource lists that are out there. To me, awareness is the first step to action. And so it's bigger than social posting. It's bigger than an Instagram story. It's bigger than white fragility or tears about being sad. It's bigger than ignorance. It's bigger than confusion. Now is the time where none of us get to stay confused. None of us get to stay unaware. We must all recognize that Black, Indigenous, people of color are facing the worst of consequences. And being anti-racist is different than being prejudiced or saying I'm not prejudiced. It's different than saying I'm not a racist. Being anti-racist means you have an awareness and an action behind your understanding. So that's what I would say would be the start for many people. And if you start there, you'll find your voice, you'll find your community, you'll find your activism and join the movement with us because we need you. Yes. Amen to that. And I resonate much of what you're saying. And I have done those actions because I heard loud and clear two weeks ago, what I needed to do as a white female. And I'll tell you, I have to own my ignorance in what has happened. And it has been a repentance, you know, um, for me and something I am so committed to. And I feel so many people are nervous about doing the wrong thing. And I hear from you, it's not about doing the right or wrong. It's about educating. And when you educate the passion in you for people and standing up for Black Lives Matter, you don't even have to think about it. It's just, it comes out because you recognize our privilege and our ignorance. And when you know better, you do better. And that's the call. 
That's the Amen. call. Amen. And I want to make sure I referenced watching the movie 13. I meant to say 13th. Yes. And so that is by filmmaker Ava DuVernay. And so that's a phenomenal film that explores the history of racial inequality in the United States, focusing right. uh, specifically on the nation's prisons and how they're disproportionately filled with African-Americans. And that's a great place to begin being awakened. Yeah. And I had no idea. I have to own that. I had no idea. And now that I know it is unacceptable, there's no room for that. There's no room for that in 2020. And it is not up to the women like yourself to stand up and keep proclaiming for yourselves. We have to do this as a whole community. And until Black Lives Matter, not all lives matter. And that was one of the biggest lessons I learned in this whole experience. And thankfully, I have beautiful women around me who supported me and loved me through that. But now it's my turn my responsibility to turn around and pour love out and stand firm in the fact that this is, this is unacceptable. It can't go on anymore. We got to make a change. We do. And thank you for being a part of that education. I assume you're tired. I'm assuming you are working through all of this yourself. And then you have people who are leaning in on you because we, we do look at you as a leader. We look at you as someone who's a thought leader. And so I value your words and your wisdom so much. And I thank you again for giving us this this room to learn and grow with you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. And I am tired and relentless. Yeah. Yeah. I bet bet you are. And thank you for that. Okay. So I don't want to move away from that because that is a subject that needs time. However, in honoring your time with, with the audience here, I do want to talk to you a little bit about who you are as a businesswoman and a thought leader. Someone who has, can teach us so many things. I want to just dive in, if we can, right to money mindset, because this was pivotal for my 2020 when you taught me to put money around my house and to talk to it and speak to it and how you speak to your nieces and nephews about money. I would love if you would be so kind to share that with this audience and this community because I know they will receive it the way I have and learn so much. You know, making money is an addiction that I have and it's one that I'm not trying to shake. And I say that because relationship with money, in my opinion, there has to be a measure of obsession. There has to be because when you're interested in anything, let's say you start working out and you like CrossFit or yoga or bar, you know, what happens is the more you do it, momentum builds and that becomes a personal movement for you. I feel the same way in regard to money. I feel like life really started getting good for me when I started making money because making money is a form of happiness. It's a great incentive. It is not the root of happiness, but it is a happiness. And the other thing about making money is making other people happy is a super happiness for many of us. And how do we do that? Well, let me just tell you, if you're worried about your light bill, you cannot be the light. And so a lot of our happiness comes when we are fully provided for, and we are not worried about the four walls of our homes. As women, statistics show that present day women's highest worry is money. 
And as a result, they see their physical bodies breaking down because they aid and abed a worry that they are unwilling to talk about. Mm -hmm. So I made a relationship with money. I have money right now. I have books to the left of me. My bookmarks are $20 bills, $100 bills, $5 bills. Why? Because that's paper. That's paper. And I love the energy of that paper being around me. I love that. Do I discard money? Do I throw it away? Absolutely not. So please no one misunderstand that. I like when I open a book and I go to the page, I go, oh, there's money reminding me it's always available to me. I believe as I began to create sales trainings for people years ago, I would say to them, listen, a sale is inventing a possibility for someone that they didn't know existed until you showed up. Mm. So if you're a coach, if you're a network marketing leader, you're building your team or you know, you're building your clientele, how do you do that? You have to showcase a possibility. And you have to say this possibility is available for you. Do you want in? And you have to sell the vision, position the action. So here's the vision of what it looks like on the other side of coaching with me. Here's the vision of what it looks like on the other side of joining this network marketing organization with me. Here's the vision of what it looks like if you're a fitness trainer of what it looks like to do six weeks with me and to release 10 pounds off of your body and increase your muscle mass. And you sell the vision, then you position the action. Here's the action of how it happens. It's a possibility. Money is the same way. Money is a possibility that many people don't check themselves into because they're so afraid of the dialogue, the connection. I asked someone recently that was looking for a career. I said, what if you got an offer? They're, they're stepping out of their graduate program. And I said, what if you got an offer that was $300,000 a year? And their eyes just bugged at me. And they were like, wait, what? And I said, well, you just got out of a graduate program and, you know, you can have an organization that is really investing in this particular area that you are educated in and they could offer you a $300,000 a year job. What would you do? And they said to me, I can't even imagine it. Like I've never even thought that number. And because they had Googled and Google told them that the starting salary for their position was 80 to 90,000, they decided to live in that container. So here's the question that I want to ask for everyone that's listening. What container have you decided to live in because someone told you that's where you belong? Remember, if sales is about inventing a possibility that someone didn't know about until you showed up and said, this exists, now it's available to you. What about if I come to you right now and I say money is not earned, money is created. And it's created by your relationship with it, your dialogue with it, and your willingness to pay attention to it in a way where you say, uh, you know, I desire money for the opulence of my life. I define opulence by provision for myself, provision for my children, provision for my partnership or my marriage. I define opulence as 
the ability to diversify my finances, to own multiple properties, to travel on vacation several times a year. I define opulence through altruism. I'm able to give and donate to nonprofits that are important to me, clean water wells and ending sex trafficking, whatever is important to you, even in the movement right now. How much can you donate to Black Lives Matter? Like, where's your independence until you are important about, until you make money as important to you as you make your meaning, you will not see your relationship with money ascend to a higher level. Mm -hmm. And so, so many women I see say, well, I want to serve. And so they want to put service before sales, but you cannot service anything that hasn't been sold. So you have to become a confident, bold, strategic leader that says the money is valuable to me because it ushers me into the life that I desire, that I deserve, and the difference that I truly want to make in my life and out of the outpouring of a life that is fulfilled and full of meaning and full a woman that is fully achieved and in her power, I will then give to the world and make the world better. That was beautiful. And then one of the beautiful things you said, money is not earned, it's created. How did you get to that point, Allison? Because I'm assuming you weren't always there. How did you get to the point of really believing that and creating those miracles in your life and abundance in your life? Yeah, I was like everyone. I stood in corporate offices, did my interviews, uh, got my offer letter, FedEx to my door, just like everyone, you know, when you start working in in executive level positions, the way that they used to do it is they used to FedEx you the offer letter (laughs) and um, it didn't come by email. And they would FedEx you the offer letter and it would have the packet in it. And then you'd sign it, uh, fax it back into them. It was like a really big deal. And I would sign on, you know, $30,000 a year, then $50,000 a year, then $100,000 a year, then $130,000 a year. Uh, The most I ever made in corporate, I think was about one, maybe about 150 with my bonus structure Mm -hmm. um, or so. And I thought that's the way you did it. You worked every month for 12 months. You know, you got your uh, two weeks, maybe you negotiated a third week um, of additional vacation. You got your sick time. Like I thought that was what you did. And so what was normalized for me was that corporate structure. Well, when I decided that I was going to create something of my own, I rapidly got pushed into that because I was fired. So I worked for a marketing agency where our primary client was BlackBerry and I loved it. And um, I no longer had a great working relationship with a new manager that came in and he fired me and it was perfection. Jen, when he fired me, I started to build my company. I had no idea how to do it, but I went to a conference. It was three days on day two, day one, I was just kind of looking around. 80 people were in the room. I'm more looking around and kind of trying to figure it out. I'd never been an entrepreneur before looking around like, are y'all getting it? Cause I don't know what they're saying. Everything <laughs> felt like a foreign language. Yeah. Um, you know, have you ever been to a conference where you're like, uh, <laughs> are you getting it? Cause, uh, and yeah, by day two, there was a guest speaker that said something that hit me and I went, Oh snap. I think I understand 
what they're saying. Hmm. I got back home. I met my then fiance at the time, boyfriend who became fiance, who was obviously former because I'm single today. <laughs> um, but met and I said to him, I, th- I think I know what to do. Like, I think I get it. And I stood on a stage. It was the first time I made an offer, Jen. And I made an offer for $7,800 to work with me. Now, how did I get to $7,800, you ask? Okay. I was doing, when I got fired, I was doing a data entry job as a temp while I was trying to figure out my business. So I was doing a data entry job. There are no accidents. All things are by divine matrix, in my opinion, and in my own practice of life. And I worked as a data entry clerk for a consultant that was billing $10,000 a month for his consultancy. One meeting a month, he gave his clients and he had like 10 clients that he billed. And I was responsible for the data entry of that and all the recording of all the efforts that went into that, all the things. I'd never seen that in my life that somebody could talk for one hour and charge 10 grand. I thought, what? (laughs) So I decided I was going to create the $7,800 program from this conference that I went to. I just landed on that number and thought, I'll try it. Jen, I stood on that platform. I had a 90-minute slot. I spoke for 60 minutes. The final 30 minutes, I did the pitch and teaching all together. And I said, I've got 10 spaces for you to say yes. And eight women walked to the back and gave me, I remember because I made up in my mind that people who had money only had Discover and uh, American Express cards because those were the only two cards um, that people paid with. (laughs) And they paid in full, eight people. It blew my mind because now in 90 minutes, I had replaced half of my annual salary. Yeah. So that's when I got clear, girl, you better level up fast Mm -hmm. because what you've been taught is not real. That's when I said to myself, wait a minute, you need to 2X, 5X, 10X what you've been anticipating for your life. That's when I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, there's a danger zone here. You can resign to safety or you can play big. And I stepped into hiring coaches and mentors and trainers who could help me expand my thinking. The average human brain has over 60,000 thoughts in a day. We understand that majority of those thoughts are pre-programmed toward negative. That's science. So it takes effort and focus and deliberate intention to say, I'm going to focus on predictable and consistent wins for myself. I'm going to stop thinking about all of the what ifs and begin thinking about what am I meant to be right now? And then aligning all the resources around me to make it happen. I didn't know what I didn't know. My pie of not knowing what I didn't know, that part of the pie was so big. But I gave myself permission by putting myself in masterminds. Podcasts were not around then. YouTube wasn't even a high trend at the time. Um, So I had to physically go and fly 
to the conferences and get in the places and spaces where my stinking thinking could be stomped out and I could unlearn what I had learned all of my life and step into a new freedom, a new relationship, a new happiness, a new delight, a new joy around the art of creating money in my life. That's how it all began. Mm. And it was to me, I just keep hearing rejection was God's protection. The job was taken away. But that rejection in that moment was the protection for you to fill up the room and be present for the people who needed you. So I am grateful for that rejection because here we are. (laughs) Because here we are. And let me just tell you, I was a super bad employee at the time. So it was. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I would love though to to dig in this a little bit more because I do have a huge audience of mamas. A lot of um, either women who are excited to become moms or people who are immersed in the mama position right now. And I feel a great sense of obligation to raise my children and also teach the next generation a different set of values, a different outlook on money, to know that it's created as you're talking about. Can you share that beautiful story of what you do with your nieces and nephews when you take them shopping? (laughs) You know, um, I I will share that. Uh, Right now, I just got off with my nephew um, because I just moved him into his first apartment. Oh, cool. And I asked him, I said, do you like it? I picked it virtually um, and then sent my best friend to go walk it and take a look and, um, you know, show me on video and all the things. And he said to me, it's my bachelor pad. (laughs) And He's so excited. And I said to him the very thing that I've always said to him from probably the time he was in seventh grade and he's 19 today. And I would say it to him when we would go to the store and buy his school clothes, when he would ask me at Christmas for what he wanted. I remember when I stopped buying him things and I started buying him experiences Mm. and he has a dream to become an NBA player. And I reached out to a friend of mine who was a former client that lived in Oregon. And I said, my nephew's favorite player is in Portland. And can you get us connected with the team? And she said, absolutely. And so his gift was a trip to sit almost to the floor um, of a Portland, Oregon game. And, but the biggest thing was that he got to be in during their private practice. And all we were doing was taking a first class flight, Mm. flying in that day, going to the game. Oh, taking him to the Nike store because there's a great Nike store in Oregon, a corporate office there, Adidas too. So we got all the passes to all the things, flew in, did that, ate a fabulous meal, then went to the game and then flew out the next morning. So it was his first first class flight. It was his first time like in a private NBA practice. It was showing him his vision. Like if this is what you really desire, I'm going to show it to you. And I introduced him to that when he was in the seventh grade. And what I would say when we would buy anything at the store, I would pause and I would hold my credit card. And I would say to him, his brother, his sister, anyone that I was shopping for, I would divide the purchases. So I wouldn't lump all of it together. If Isaiah was getting stuff, Isaiah had a speech. If Elijah was getting stuff, Elijah had a speech. If Lincoln was getting stuff, she had a speech. And I would say to them individually, 
You are so worthy of money being spent on you. We asked God for you. We wanted you in this family. And it is our responsibility to provide for you now that you are here. And I would just slow the dialogue down right there. And every single time the speech wouldn't be identical, but it would be along that vein of them understanding you're worthy of money being spent on you. You are worthy of being provided for. You do a great job being a kid, which is what you're supposed to do. So you being a kid, you're focused on education. You're focused on sports or whatever hobby they would be in at the time. You're focused on extracurricular activities because my sister always has her kids in extracurricular activities that made them better humans and of great service. And so I would always recite those things that I had seen them do. And I would say, I am so proud of you. It is my honor to pay for this for you. Enjoy your clothes. Enjoy your shoes. Enjoy your video game. You are deserving. You are worthy. You are loved. We wanted you. I would always echo that to them because when I grew up, my mother worked so hard for the money that she spent on us and it was almost like we got punished. So we'd be at the register and my mom would be like, now listen, (sighs) I ain't buying you no more clothes until Christmas. You know, if it was if it was if it was before school, we don't get any more till Christmas. If it was at Christmas, you ain't getting nothing till your birthday. So you better take care of this. And God love my mother. My mother was an excellent mother, but she was also in the tradition of what she had learned. So mamas, I will say this. What traditions are you extending to your children that are expired? Like you don't even think that way anymore. I remember my niece asking me a clarifying question and my response to her was because I said so. (laughs) And then I realized, wait a minute, this clarity really will make a difference for her. And if I would give myself permission to be patient because my mother wasn't patient a lot. She was working three jobs, raising two kids as a single mama, two babies, fathers that were absent She was dealing with her own disappointment and her own grief from a life she thought she would have that was now non-existent. And now she had a little girl looking up at her saying, but why? She was like, don't ask me why. Yeah. But just because that was her behavior doesn't mean it has to be the thing that I adopt and perpetuate forward through the generations and through the bloodline of our family. And so that's why I created that speech. That's why I speak to my nieces and nephews in that way. I am not a mom. I am not a mom. I've chosen not to be a mom, never wanted to be a mom. Um, And I think it's important that we guard our language and we are intentional about what we teach our children so that they can pass down positivity, openness, um, consciousness, worthiness, Mm -hmm. and personal power and the hearing we wanted you. The hearing, it's our job to provide for you and you are worthy of that provision. Thank you for teaching me that lesson because I can't say in all sincerity that I've always done a great job at that. And that is a ripple effect of exactly the experience I had with my parents. And rather than think about that and change the dialogue, 
I just continued the dialogue. And that was one of the most beautiful moments, I have to be honest with you, of my life in January when you shared that story because it changed everything for my four children. And I am forever grateful for that because you made an even bigger ripple from those four babies who now have different conversations with me. So thank you. Thank you Mm. so much for sharing that. Thank you for saying that. I do want to say that success breeds success. Yeah. And so do you have a culture? I'm asking this of the audience listening. Do you have a culture of success in your family? I think that we often look at the breeding of love and that's high value, of course. But do you have a culture of success? Remember this, that 15% of our success is based on skill, knowledge, talent, and education. So that's what we learn in school. That's what we learn in post-education. That's what we learn, you know, as we go forward. 15%, but 85% of our success is who will we give ourselves permission to be? And who will give ourselves permission to be starts with who we were given permission to be by those who raised us. Yes. Yes. It's so true. So true. And I hope people rewind that and listen to it again and listen to this podcast and take notes and absorb it. Allison speaks such beautiful, powerful words. It is the type of podcast, my friends, that you need to rewind and listen to over and over until her words become your own thoughts and your own words. And that's how we make a massive impact. That's how we will gain future success. And so Allison, my cheeks hurt from smiling so much. My neck hurts from nodding so much. I just knew I would be sitting here as a student um, listening to you today. And I end my podcast with this question and I am so anxious to hear how you will respond. And I I want to ask you today, how is Alison Bird going to be iconic today? Mm, how am I going to be iconic today? I know that I was born for such a time as this. I know that. My, I mentioned this earlier that my dad married my mother under an alias. And so the alias that he created was the last name Bird. And that is not my father's last name. His last name is Nelson. Um, My mother, who has since ascended, um, she ascended in 2015. We say ascended instead of passed away or died Mm -hmm. uh, because she chose that. And I know she did. She told me she did. And so she ascended. She changed her name after she divorced my dad. And um, so I was the only one in the family with this made up last name. My sister had a different father. And so she didn't have the last name. So my dad didn't have it. My mom didn't have it. And my sister didn't have it. But bird means messenger. (sighs) Allison means truth. My middle name, Octavia, means royalty, birthright, abundance. Mm -hmm. There are no accidents in the creation of me. I am a messenger of the birthright of abundance, of the ownership of your truth, of who and why. You exist in the world. I came for such a time as this to be this disruption to the normalized way that women relate to smallness around their visibility, their influence, their impact, and their profitability. I came to be that disruption in this dispensation of time. This life cycle, that's my voice. That's my responsibility. So every day, I believe that I am iconic in being the truth 
of the meaning of my name, a messenger of truth, of the birthright of abundance, to understand that there is no place, Jen, called the middle or even average. There's mediocre and there's apathy to your mediocrity. And then there's intentional, purposeful, deliberate. And I say to women all over the world, who will you be, girl? Who will you be? And my hope is that every woman would look back at me and say, I will, Allison, be the change I wish to see in the world. As I see that reflected to me over and over and over again, I will know that I have lived in the iconic nature that God created. When God said, let there be, and at the end of that sentence was Allison Octavia Bird. That is the assignment that I fulfill every day. Thank you for that. Thank you for being this disruption. Thank you for being the wisdom. Thank you for being a voice. Thank you for being an example. And Allison, that is to me, what I take from this is the beautiful example of who you are. We will be the change in this world. We owe that to people like yourself who are being bold and courageous and have led and blazed the trail for us. We just simply get to walk it. And so that to me is a calling and a sense of obligation in this and thank you so much for your time, your love, your joy. It's been a true pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. It really means the world to me. I would be so appreciative if you take one minute of your day and give a five-star review and share this on your social media. You can find me on the gram or Facebook. Ladies, stand taller today. Roll those shoulders back, chin up, and go out and be iconic.